There are plenty of recurring themes in UFO literature, lore, and discourse. One of those themes that remains constant is this idea of gatekeepers, individuals in the shadows of government, or those who have gained the favor of such secretive government agents who possess all the hidden secrets about UFOs. Let's spend a little time looking closer at this idea of UFO gatekeepers. Is it UFO or UAP? The government's confusing me. The experts make it complicated. Lack of answers has me jaded. UFO, I don't know. UAP, yeah, I guess so. Searching for answers, where to begin? Round and round in circles again. Thunderstruck by mass confusion. Is it fact or fiction? Convolution. Hello, citizens, and welcome to UFO UAP WTF. I'm your host, Jason McClellan, and together we'll be exploring the fascinating, enigmatic, and frustrating subject of UFOs. One of my stated goals with this show is helping others wade through the murky waters of UFO research and uncomplicate things that are routinely presented in a way that is intentionally and unnecessarily complicated. Our topic of conversation today is one of those things that has always been present in the UFO research community, and that is this idea of UFO gatekeepers, individuals or groups who allegedly possess secret UFO knowledge. We're barely going to scratch the surface of this topic, but here we go. I guess we'll begin this discussion with the government, big bad government. The government has been established as the bad guys in UFO lore. That idea really began with the 1947 Roswell UFO incident, which is essentially the birth of the notion that the government covers up information related to UFOs. We're not getting into the Roswell incident today. We've covered that plenty on previous episodes, and it'll no doubt emerge again in the future. But for our purposes today, just know that the legendary Roswell UFO incident is at the heart of major gatekeeper conspiracies. You might have heard of MJ-12. That has Roswell roots. MJ-12, sometimes referred to as Majestic 12, is an alleged group assembled by President Harry Truman in 1947 to investigate and manage the aftermath of the Roswell UFO incident. The story really begins with Paul Benowitz, a scientist and government contractor who had contracts with the Air Force. He lived and worked near Kirtland Air Force Base in New Mexico. And in 1980, he reached out to the base to inform the Air Force that he had evidence of a threat to the base. Benowitz claimed he had photos showing UFOs over the base's weapons storage area and other things like electromagnetism being emitted in the area, which he assumed was being generated by pulses from UFOs. The base took claims of a threat to the base seriously, and they had investigators meet with Benowitz. Benowitz eventually met with several officers from the base, But after hearing Benowitz say he was in contact with the extraterrestrials piloting the UFOs over the base, he pretty much lost their attention and interest. One of the individuals who initially met with Benowitz was a special agent from the Air Force Office of Special Investigations, Richard Doty. We've heard from Doty countless times over the years, and in interviews, he's claimed that he was part of an elaborate disinformation campaign against Benowitz and the entire UFO community for that matter. 
according to Doty, what Benowitz was observing over the base were secret projects. But in order to hide that fact, Doty perpetuated Benowitz's belief that he was seeing extraterrestrials. Doty even created fake government documents to perpetuate this hoax. And he used people inside the UFO community to spread the fake information, including a prominent figure in UFO research at the time, Bill Moore. Moore believed he was recruited by a high-level intelligence agent to work with Doty. The first document that Moore said he was given to provide to Benowitz was the Aquarius Memo in 1981. This document creates a narrative that the Air Force secretly investigated Benowitz's photos and other evidence, that this was all part of some top-secret operation called Project Aquarius, and that access was restricted to MJ-12. This is the first mention of MJ-12, and keep in mind, this first mention is in a document that both Doty and Moore have admitted was a fabricated document. That certainly hasn't prevented MJ-12 from being cemented as part of UFO lore and being viewed as a poster child of sorts among alleged UFO gatekeepers. Plenty of people believe MJ-12 or an MJ-12-type group is real. They're in the shadows of government, pulling the strings, controlling the information, and covering up UFOs. And that's perfectly fine. We all choose what information to believe and assimilate into our current understanding and viewpoints related to this weird topic. But I'm not among those believers. I've never seen anything in all my years researching this topic that leads me to believe it was anything other than a hoax to fuel conspiracies, make people look silly, and discredit UFO research. Now, there might be just a tiny bit of truth behind an elite group of top government officials created by the president following the Roswell incident. We know, for a fact, that in July of 1947, the same year and month as the Roswell UFO incident, that President Harry Truman did indeed create a special council. This was the birth of the National Security Council, created as part of the National Security Act of 1947. This act also created the National Military Establishment and the Central Intelligence Agency. So, as you can see, there was a lot of change taking place on the heels of World War II, and in 1947, the National Security Act brought about many changes to the U.S. government, its military, and its intelligence operations. It's the perfect fodder for Doty, or whoever fabricated the fictitious MJ-12. Several of the alleged members of MJ-12 were part of Truman's National Security Council, so it's a conspiracy that basically wrote itself. The U.S. government is frequently promoted by the more conspiratorial-minded folks within the UFO community as the gatekeepers of UFO information. I've spoken about this before, but I've always found it so bizarre that a wildly popular public perception is that UFOs are mostly a United States thing, or that the U.S. government has some sort of supreme power over every other country on this planet and forces every other country to suppress UFO information. It apparently always needs restating, but UFOs are seen all around the world by people from all walks of life every single day. And as far as the U.S. government strong-arming every other country when it comes to UFOs, that's almost too ridiculous of a notion to bother addressing. But I will say this. People who believe that must not be aware of what a shit show the U.S. government is, and other governments too. But also... Other governments around the world have and do study UFOs. Other governments have and do release UFO information to the public. Now, do these governments release everything they have related to UFOs? Of course not. And they never will. 
Like it or not, unknowns that appear in a country's airspace are viewed as national security issues. And many times, the means with which information is collected about the UFOs are either classified or would harm national security if those means are shared with the public. That's pretty common sense stuff. But it doesn't stop lots of people from viewing this refusal to publicly release any and all UFO-related material as a sign of a cover-up. And I have to drop in this reminder, too, that governments aren't the holders of all UFO information or all UFO data. Again, UFOs are seen every day all around the world by people from all walks of life. Individuals, businesses, private researchers, pilots, astronomers, so many people have UFO information. The entirety of UFO evidence isn't controlled by the government. In fact, and this is especially true of the most recent government UFO efforts, the government's picture of the broad UFO issue is extremely narrow. The U.S. government's current UFO study only looks at military sightings and incursions that take place at military training ranges. That's an incredibly small representation of the thousands of sightings that take place every year. On the previous episode of this show, we briefly mentioned NICAP, the National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomena. This was a prominent American civilian UFO research group that was founded in 1956 and ran until 1980. There's so many fascinating elements about this group, and we're certainly not getting into all those today. But this group's leadership featured impressive high-ranking military and government officials, including a U.S. Army general and the first director of the Central Intelligence Agency. Various aspects of this group mirror some of the activity we're seeing today in the world of UFOs. It's a recurring theme with me, I know, and you'll hear me repeat this time and time again, but UFOs are cyclical. UFO history loves to repeat itself, and this is another example. Let me know if this sounds familiar. NICAP pushed the notion that there was an organized cover-up of UFO information by the U.S. government. Additionally, the group pushed for governmental transparency related to this topic and advocated for congressional hearings. And, similar to current events, the group hounded members of Congress, provided briefings, and was ultimately successful in seeing UFO hearings take place. NICAP history is really fascinating. I'm going to go on a brief tangent here to highlight a few more interesting parallels to what we hear reported about UFOs today. When ICAP was just beginning its formation, there was an article published about it in the Washington Daily News titled, New Group Setting Sights on Saucers. That article is included on the FBI's website, by the way. There's quite a bit of UFO-related material there, if you didn't know. Anyway, this article mentions a statement from the Washington representative of the Airline Pilots Association, claiming that, quote, airline pilots turn in reports of saucer sightings almost nightly, end quote. In a lot of the UFO news lately, we hear about how common UFO sightings are among commercial and military pilots. That's always been the case. It's not a new realization. NICAP also had a letter they sent to people, including the FBI, as part of their membership recruiting and marketing efforts that included a statement from Delmer Farney, a retired Navy Rear Admiral, who served as chairman of the Board of Governors at NICAP. This statement reads, Reliable reports indicate that there are objects coming into our atmosphere at very high speeds. No agency in this country or Russia is able to duplicate at this time the speeds and accelerations which radars and observers indicate these flying objects are able to achieve, end quote. He added, quote, there are signs that an intelligence directs these objects because of the way they fly. 
The way they change position and formations would indicate that their motion is directed, end quote. These comments sound exactly like those we've heard in recent years from members of Congress and the spokespeople who have been lobbying them on this issue. I'll just read one more line from this statement. It says, quote, As long as such unidentified objects continue to navigate through the Earth's atmosphere, there is an urgent need to know the facts. Many observers have ceased to report their findings to the Air Force because of the seeming frustration. That is, all information going in and none coming out, end quote. Again, How similar does that sound to the criticisms and rallying cries we continue to hear from those driving the current UFO efforts? If I were a professor and these folks were my students, I'd think there was some plagiarism going on there. Anyway, let's get back to our whistleblower topic. We don't need to turn this into an episode about NICAP, but NICAP is quite fascinating for this discussion because frequently the heroes in the UFO whistleblower saga are rebel, former but actually current, government or military employees. This idea of UFO knowledge gatekeepers within the government is perpetuated by these former government employees who publicly claim to have insider knowledge of some of these secrets and the larger plot to keep those secrets from the public. NICAP and some of its leadership is a good example of this. But let's look at some others. Philip Corso was a lieutenant colonel in the United States Army. He published a memoir in 1997 titled The Day After Roswell, in which he claims that what crashed in Roswell in 1947 was an extraterrestrial spacecraft, and that craft was recovered by the military and sent to the Foreign Technology Division at Wright-Patterson Air Base in Dayton, Ohio. It's here that this alleged UFO material was distributed by Corso to select corporations to be reverse-engineered, and from that effort came technologies like night vision, fiber optics, and more. Corso alleged that the Army sat on the Roswell wreckage for 14 years because it couldn't figure out a way to exploit the technology without revealing that it came from an alien spacecraft. Corso was a special assistant to Lieutenant General Arthur Trudeau, who headed up Army Research and Development. In the book, Corso states that, in talking about the Roswell material, General Trudeau told him, quote, The Air Force wants it because they think it belongs to them. The Navy wants it because they want anything the Air Force wants. The CIA wants it so they can give it to the Russians, end quote. Corso added that, quote, The Navy was struggling with its own problem of figuring out what to do about USOs, unidentified submerged objects, which could plunge right into the ocean and surface halfway around the world without leaving so much as an underwater signature we could pick up, end quote. Among his claims was the notion that the world is at war with extraterrestrials and that the government covers up evidence of extraterrestrials. Of course, these sensational claims made by Corso can't be verified. In fact, many are demonstrably false. But That didn't stop the book from being celebrated by many in the UFO community as breakthrough disclosure from a military UFO whistleblower. Obviously, Colonel Corso's military background and rank provided a sense of credibility to the book, as did the book's foreword, which was written by Senator Strom Thurmond. But in 1997, after the book was published, the New York Times published an article titled Senator Regrets Role in Book on Aliens. The article includes a statement from Thurman explaining that, quote, he regretted that his forward appeared to bolster claims of a government conspiracy, end quote. He added, quote, I know of no such cover-up and do not believe one existed, end quote. We can't talk about UFO whistleblowers without mentioning Bob Lazar. 
The CIA only publicly acknowledged the existence of Area 51 in 2014. But George Knapp, an investigative journalist at the CBS affiliate in Las Vegas, Nevada, introduced the world to the top-secret military installation in 1989 when he interviewed Bob Lazar. At the time, Lazar claimed he worked on reverse-engineering alien technology at a secret facility called S-4 that was built into a mountainside just south of Area 51's main site. He said he was fired after it was discovered that he had told friends where they could watch test flights of the advanced extraterrestrial technology he was working on. He also claimed he was read government briefing docs detailing 10,000 years of extraterrestrials interacting with Earth. Like anybody else whose grand claims can't be substantiated, Lazar is a polarizing figure. Many people believe his claims, and many people think he's full of shit. But Bob Lazar still firmly stands by his assertions. Remember how I said that the heroes in the UFO whistleblower saga are typically rebel, former, but actually current, government or military employees? Let's jump to a current example of that. Luis Elizondo is a former U.S. Army counterintelligence special agent who spent a chunk of his career working at the Pentagon in the office of the Undersecretary of Defense for Intelligence. We've talked about Lou periodically on this show because he's worked hard to establish himself as one of the dominant talking heads on the subject of UFOs in recent years. During his time at the Pentagon, Lou reportedly led a UFO study called ATIP, the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program. He says he quit his job in October of 2017 to protest what he perceived as his superiors not taking his work seriously, excessive secrecy, and internal opposition. His resignation was timed perfectly with the launch of Tom DeLonge's To the Stars Academy of Arts and Science a week later. Lou was introduced to the world as part of this new organization during a live event announcing the formation of TTSA. Writing about this group for the Huffington Post, journalist Leslie Kane described, quote, former high-level officials and scientists with deep black experience who have always remained in the shadows are now stepping into the light, end quote. Lou and his colleagues, who were also former government officials, went to work using their connections in Washington, D.C. to lobby Congress to take an interest in UFOs. And all the governmental interest and activity related to UFOs we're seeing today is a direct result of their efforts. And you know those three videos that show U.S. Navy fighter jets tracking UFOs? The videos you've probably seen a million times by now? Lou helped facilitate the release and promotion of those videos before he resigned from the Pentagon. A couple of those videos were included in a December 16, 2017 story published in the New York Times in which Lou revealed the existence of the Pentagon's previously unknown ATIP UFO program. Needless to say, Luis Elizondo is viewed by many as a hero UFO whistleblower. But as is the case with all of these UFO whistleblowers, Elizondo is a polarizing figure. Many celebrate his accomplishments, and some even put him up on a pedestal and view him as their leader in the fight against UFO secrecy. Yet, others question both the validity of his claims and the motives behind them. For starters, there have been issues with confirming his claims regarding the size and scope of ATIP's work. There have even been some issues with confirming that he led this project at all. On multiple occasions, the Pentagon has directly stated that Lou had no assigned duties related to ATIP. The late Senator Harry Reid, who was directly involved in the establishment of ATIP and its predecessor program, was happy to come to Elizondo's defense, asserting that he knew Lou was the director of the program. But the Pentagon still refutes that claim. In May of 2021, 
Lou filed a complaint with the Department of Defense's Inspector General because of the Pentagon's pushback, citing coordinated disinformation, professional misconduct, and whistleblower reprisal. Documents from February of 2022 show that the DOD Office of the Inspector General dismissed the complaint, citing a lack of evidence to back up the claims. This dismissal was also reportedly acknowledged by Elizondo's attorney and UFO researcher Danny Sheehan, who happened to be at my wedding, oddly enough. Elizondo is still reportedly a government contractor and performs work in some capacity for the U.S. Space Force. That's something that fuels conspiracy for some. A guy who spilled the beans on the government's UFO work, resigned in protest, accused the government of lying, but still gets government contracts and maintains security clearances. Bob Lazar is another one, spilled the beans on alien tech and government possession, loses job because of it, yet continued to work as a government contractor after that. Did these guys and others do what they did and say what they said because it's what the government wanted them to do? Eh, probably not. But who knows? Anything's possible. But it's certainly a bit odd. History is full of military and government officials who have made grand claims about UFOs and extraterrestrials. Let's look at one more. Bob Dean was a retired U.S. Army Command Sergeant Major who became a prominent figure in the UFO community in his retirement years. I miss Bob. I got to spend quite a bit of time with him over the years. Bob was a gentle, kind, soft-spoken sweetheart. Everybody loved Bob. But Bob made lots of wild claims without the evidence to back it up. Here are some items he routinely claimed in his lectures. Bob loved talking about how the U.S. government is covering up alien visitation and alien presence on Earth. Not just a few, but a hundred different alien life forms, in addition to extra-dimensional beings. Dean asserted that this cover-up was both a multiple agency and multiple country effort. And the reason for the cover-up is to protect us, because learning the truth would shatter our perception of reality. Bob also frequently pushed old standard UFO tropes like humans were seeded on this planet by extraterrestrials long ago, and that we're part of an experiment. During his time in the military, Bob stated that he was stationed at the Supreme Headquarters Allied Powers Europe, also known as SHAPE, which is the military headquarters of NATO's Allied Command Operations that commands worldwide NATO operations. Bob always talked about this during his lectures, informing audiences that he held cosmic top-secret clearance, which sounds badass to a UFO crowd. It also sounds a little made up, but no, it's a real thing. This is a NATO classification that stands for Control of Secret Material in an International Command. He alleged that while at SHAPE, he viewed a classified government document called The Assessment that discussed threats posed by alien activity on Earth. SHAPE, of course, denies any report like this was ever created. In addition to government or military so-called whistleblowers, there have been countless high-ranking government officials who have actively gone looking for UFO info while they've been in office. Former U.S. President Bill Clinton made attempts to uncover UFO secrets while he was in office. He specifically did some digging related to the 1947 Roswell UFO incident, as well as the mysterious military installation Area 51. In 2014, he appeared on Jimmy Kimmel Live, and when asked about his research, he said he didn't find any evidence of extraterrestrials. Jimmy Carter did the same thing, and said he didn't find anything. 
And let's talk about Christopher Mellon for a minute. Mellon, who served as Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense for Intelligence under two administrations, is another key player, one of the key players personally responsible for all the current government UFO interests. Like Lou Elizondo, Mellon joined To The Stars Academy at its inception in 2017. He helped Lou facilitate the release and publicity of those UFO videos. He and Lou went to work lobbying Congress, and he essentially crafted the language for the legislation put forth by the Senate Select Committee on Intelligence that became law and is driving current government UFO efforts. He's definitely a driving force of current UFO transparency efforts. Mellon left government work in 2004, but when asked about UFOs in 2016 by journalist Leslie Kane, he stated, quote, I highly doubt DOD or any other government agency is concealing UFO information. I participated in a comprehensive review of DOD's black programs and spent over a decade conducting oversight of the National Foreign Intelligence Program, an almost totally separate world of secrets. I visited Area 51 and other military intelligence and research facilities. During all those years, I never detected the faintest hint of government interest or involvement in UFOs, end quote. When Kane brought up the topic of pushing for the declassification of government UFO documents, Mellon stated, quote, While a few new, previously overlooked documents might turn up, the bureaucracy is never perfect, I did not believe they would resolve the UFO issue or provide significant new insight. I can think of one lengthy UFO report that is classified only due to concerns over sources and methods. In fact, it identified a convincing conventional explanation for the pilot sighting in this particular case. There are lots of classified documents related to activities at Area 51, where high security is needed. But this is all legitimate stuff the American people would support. They have nothing to do with UFOs, to the best of my knowledge. End quote. In addition to stating that he has no reason to believe we've ever recovered UFO wreckage, he added, quote, Calling for the end to an alleged government UFO cover-up is almost certainly a dead end and does not help inspire anyone in government to become more open to the topic. The UFO mystery is a scientific problem, end quote. It is interesting when government officials, important government officials in high places, go looking for UFO information while in office and find nothing. Yet, upon leaving the government, they join UFO groups and become proponents and promoters of UFO lore, not based on what they know or saw during the course of their governmental duties, but on what they're told by these UFO groups. This obviously isn't necessarily a bad thing, but it can become a negative when such people become talking heads or start promoting UFO information, claims, and conspiracies without supporting evidence to back up those claims. What these people say has more weight because of their previous government positions and their impressive government titles. It creates the illusion that what they are claiming is based on personal knowledge, the things they found out while working in their official capacity. Paul Hellyer is an excellent example of that. The Honorable Paul Hellyer was a member of Parliament and served as Canada's Minister of National Defense. He publicly voiced his belief regarding extraterrestrials for years. Hellier stated that, quote, aliens are living among us and that it is likely at least two of them are working with the U.S. government, end quote. Adding to that, he stated that at least four species of extraterrestrials have been visiting Earth for thousands of years. Hellier's public comments about UFOs and extraterrestrials began in 2005. 
At the 2005 Exopolitics Symposium at the University of Toronto, Hellier stated, quote, UFOs are as real as the airplanes that fly over your heads. That is my unequivocal conclusion, end quote. He reiterated this statement in many of his interviews and lectures on the topic of UFOs and extraterrestrials. And at the end of 2013, Hellier appeared on Russian television network RT's interview show, Sofiko, to discuss extraterrestrials and UFOs. During the interview, Hellier claimed that UFOs have been downed by military action and alien technology has been harnessed by Earthlings. Here's what he had to say about that. They are here among us, and I'm not afraid because in most cases, uh, well, as far as uh, technology is concerned, they're light years ahead of us, and we have learned a lot of things from them. A lot of the things that we use today, we got from them, uh, you know, uh, uh, lead lights and uh, microchips and uh, Kevlar uh, vests and uh, all sorts of things that we got from their technology, and we could get a lot more too, especially in the fields of medicine and agriculture, if we would uh, if we would go about it peacefully. But um, I think maybe some of our people are are more interested in getting their their military technology, and I think that's that's wrong. I think that's wrong-headed, and that's one of the things that uh, that we're going to have to change because we're going to have to work together. Sounds a little familiar, right? Philip Corso, anybody? In February 2007, the Ottawa Citizen reported that Hellier was calling for, quote, a public disclosure of alien technology obtained during alleged UFO crashes, such as the mysterious 1947 incident in Roswell, New Mexico, because he believes alien species can provide humanity with a viable alternative to fossil fuels, end quote. The assertions made by Hellier over the years are pretty incredible, and pretty alarming. But again, although Hellier was a respected former high-ranking government official, his alien claims were based on books he'd read, things he'd heard at UFO conferences, and stories he'd been told by other people. Not on first-hand knowledge or anything he discovered in the course of his governmental duties. And look, I do want to add that just because some of these people like Hellier stated things not based on personal experiences doesn't necessarily mean they're not genuine or don't deserve to be considered. But it is important to keep that in mind and understand that no matter how exciting the claim sounds and no matter who is restating those claims, it's still just second or third hand anecdotal information. And the value or weight of that type of supporting evidence really varies from person to person. It's up to every individual to decide for themselves how much weight they want to give that information and how much, if at all, they want that information to affect their personal beliefs. UFO whistleblowers are problematic. Many view these whistleblowers as our best and only possibility to learn what the government knows about UFOs and to get answers to the grand UFO mystery. And the recent legislation within the U.S. government even incorporates language designed to elicit and protect whistleblowers who come forward and divulge their secrets to Congress. UFO disclosure advocates get really excited about this. But that excitement seems unmerited in my opinion. That's because, as with most things related to UFOs and government, we in the general public will likely never hear what these alleged whistleblowers reveal. Additionally, as we see with existing UFO whistleblowers who publicly share their claimed secrets or insider knowledge, it makes for some cool stories, sensational headlines, and fuel for conspiracies. But that's it. 
intentional or not, those claims aren't accompanied by evidence and are unverifiable. Dangling carrots, then invoking security oaths, doesn't do anything but fuel conspiracies. People who claim to have secret insider sources sharing UFO info with them have been and always will be a dime a dozen in the UFO field. The people who say, blindly trust me, I know, you don't, don't believe anybody else, join us, and we're at war with anybody who questions us, is also a very tired UFO trope. Can useful information come from UFO whistleblowers? We'll see. That's still yet to be determined. Historically, those who emerge and play the role of UFO whistleblower provide little, if any, benefit to genuine, unbiased research. On the contrary, these individuals typically can't back up their claims or are inconveniently, or conveniently, restricted by non-disclosure agreements or security oaths. The wild claims, paired with the lack of evidence, just contributes to the ridicule and stigma this topic tries so hard to shed. Are there individuals out there who have some bombshell information that can shed light on UFOs in some form? That wouldn't surprise me at all. But until they can back up those incredible claims with hard evidence, the general public isn't going to take them seriously. But worrying about how the general public views UFOs aside, the real danger here is, like with any dis or misinformation, lies with those who do blindly accept the information without verification, then repeat that information, and essentially become disciples spreading the word of their hero. UFOs are hard. Personalities make UFOs hard. It's hard to know who to trust and what information to believe. That's why I always say the UFO quest is a personal one. We all have to decide for ourselves who and what information we personally find convincing and apply that to our own personal beliefs. And we have to be open to changing those beliefs as we weigh and apply new information. I was told long ago that if someone tells you they have all the answers, run the other way. That's great advice. And it's a great red flag to watch for. I've been doing the UFO thing for a long time. I've spoken to countless government and military people who have some of the wildest stories and have made the most incredible claims. But because those claims couldn't be substantiated, I resisted the urge to go running off to tell the world about these incredible stories. That would be completely irresponsible. The last thing the UFO research community needs are more wild stories with zero evidence. I've heard and seen so much during my UFO career. It's wild. Wild. But I'm always honest with you. I don't have an agenda. I don't make my living from the UFO field anymore. I don't solicit money for this podcast. Yeah, I still do TV appearances, but I don't remember the last time I was paid for a TV appearance. Believe me, I don't have a problem with money or people making money in this field. If people want to give me money, I'll take it. But my point is that I don't have a pony in this race. I don't have the magical UFO answers, and neither does anybody else. And that's my whole purpose with this podcast, to share my experiences with you and help you cut through the never-ending bullshit, con men, and false prophets that make this exciting field of UFO research so much more problematic, complicated, and uninviting than it should be. But that, my friends, is our brief look at the notion of UFO whistleblowers as UFO gatekeepers. I hope you learned something. I'm glad we could walk through that together. And hey, if there's a case or topic you'd like to have featured or addressed on a future episode, a general comment, or anything else, 
I'd love to hear it. I'm easy to reach. You can always contact me on Twitter at Acecentric or shoot me an email at jason at rogueplanet.tv. I'm Jason McClellan. Thanks for hanging out today. Join me again next time as we try to figure out together what the f*** is up with these UFOs. Yeah.